Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDesho. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDesho at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, all you friends and internet neighbors. Howdy. <laughs> How y'all doing? I'm the Subtle Doctor. I'm welcoming you to Stream of Thought, Vinland Saga, Episode 6. We here. Six? We out here. Six plus two is eight. That's what we're doing. Episode, episode eight. Why did I say episode six? Yeah. What the fuck? Um, yeah, we're secretly here to do maths with Doc. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I hope you've all got your notepad. You know, you know, your notepads ready. Your textbooks. I see you at the back. You did bring your own work in. You will be in detention later. Gomenasai. <sighs> yeah, episode eight is actually what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, bad move by me. Uh, we're not, in fact, going to talk about old Vinland. We're going to talk about brand new Vinland. Uh, it's Viking talk, and we're excited. Um, we're only on Twitch. Um, I see that our usual folks are not yet in chat, and that's probably because, despite announcing it on Twitter um, and in our Discord, they probably are looking around on YouTube. But we're on Twitch. Hopefully, folks get there. Um, the announcement should be in the Discord that we're there. Um, and the VOD will go up on Twitch. I should probably put up a YouTube video about this thing. Just to let YouTube people know. I should do that after we get off. Anyway. Yada yada. We're here to talk about Vikings. We're here to talk about Canada. And, uh, you know, freedom and daggers and all sorts of other uh, goodness. I actually haven't introduced my my uh, shipmate here. My uh, did you say shitmate? Ship, ship, shipmate. I did not say shitmate. <laughs> I, I can't help what you're hearing, but I and I in fact said shipmate. Uh, it is you know the only one of us that actually looks good in a Viking helmet. Uh, mead expert and. Uh, Joystick twiddler, Shadon. Now you call me a joystick twiddler. Depending on what you know, community you run in, that could be taken as quite the euphemism. I I know. 
I mean, first, firstly calling me a shipmate, and now you're calling me a wanker. God damn it, Doc. Am I wrong? This will not stand. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll put that up as a Twitter, uh, sorry, as a Twitter poll later. We'll you know let the uh, let the uh, you know the good folks decide. Yes. So, um, I guess we could get right to it here. Uh, mm-hmm. Episode eight. But well, actually, no. We still have some cleanup to do from episode seven. The polls. We do Twitter polls. That we do live during our stream each week. And what? Uh, do the results from the episode seven polls say? All right. Well, these polls have not yet quite concluded. They have another day running. So oh. if you do want to, you know, drop your thoughts and if you've already uh, added them there, please feel free to do so. Uh, that is on, uh, you know, our Warrior Show Twitter. Uh, but firstly and foremostly, uh, why was Bjorn eating fish in episode seven of Vinland Saga? Seventeen uh, percent of you said variety. Uh, 25% of you said upset stomach, and 58% of you had the correct answer in saying he thought they're mushrooms. Because I like to imagine that Beyond Vision is like, everything's a mushroom everywhere, all the time. Like, Askeladd's <laughs> telling him to do something, like, you know, go raid that village, and Askeladd just looks like a giant mushroom to him. I can believe it. Totally. I can totally believe everything looks 100%. like mushrooms to Beyond. All the time. Uh, next poll we did. How hard did the Vikings carrying the boats across the hills rule? Uh, 65% said the hardest. 30% said pretty hard, 4% said moderately hard, and 80% said non-hard, didn't rule. Which, in sequence to me, reads like the difficulty levels from Doom, actually, now. Yes! So maybe I'll put that up to the next time. Yes. That's what I was going uh, for. And, and lastly, uh, quite the amazing poll, this one, I must say. Uh, <laughs> with, credit, with credit to one of our patrons, Beowulf, for coming up with this. Uh, thank you very kindly. And also, uh, um, but- Blinkaji. Uh, provided one of the, the final choice in the poll, I think. Ah, so yes, that's correct. We guys did, did provide that indeed. So, uh, title of Askeladd and Bjorn's album, pictured here. Uh, we will put the link in the chat shortly. Uh, it goes like this. 34% of you said, straight out of Finland. Crazy motherfucker named Askeladd, <laughs> I suppose. It doesn't really rhyme, but I'm sure okay. that with more time and effort, I could probably crowbar that in somehow so it fits the you know tempo of the music. Uh, 19% said Odin forgives we don't my pick that's my favourite 30% said Bjorn to Mac and 34% said get rich or die raided and I've got to say like, may I offer uh, an explanation for all these what if they're all albums from Ask and Bjorn's group over the course of their career uh, it's a discography <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there you go, go. Yes. there you I, go I would buy that I would I mean we all know this isn't the first time that, you know, Askeladd and Bjorn have been taunting a village as they sailed away, covered in their in their treasure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've had <laughs> well, exploits well, to rap about. I mean, technically they've already gone gold, so maybe that's time for them to go platinum, if you know what I mean. God, almost spit out the Stein Coke. <laughs> really did. That's dangerous. Dangerous to do that. Damn it, <sighs> next time. I'll get you next time, man. Alright, so those are the polls. Um, Shadon, those are the polls. Shadon will be on Twitter during our stream. And it's it's very hard to multitask, but we're going to try to get polls up as we're talking. Um, if not, then there will be polls up after uh, we conclude the stream. Um, so, briefly here, uh, before we get into our summary time and our discussion time, um, I think I wanted to take a minute here to highlight 
uh, creatives behind the episode. So Beyond the Edge of the Sea is episode eight. Uh, Umi no Hate no Hate. Um, and we got, uh, once again, since episode five, Hiroshi Seko has been uh, writing with Kenta Ihara. Um, they're both... Fur- furiously, just both of them jamming multiple keyboards simultaneously. They are, they are like the... Like hands are bloody stumps. The, they're, it's, a, it's a two-headed head writer monster. Uh, both of them have... Uh, <laughs> a chimeric entity. Exactly, yes. A, an eldritch uh, typewriter creature is writing <laughs> these episodes. So uh, the episode director, though, we have um, Tomoaki uh, Koshida. So Koshida has one of the... It's, it's one of those CVs, right? It's one of those, like, well, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. I just had to make money. For God's sake, don't judge me for putting food on the table. And Yeah, I mean, you're right about this, right? This is correct. Uh, oh, you totally judge him. Don't let, don't let me stop you. I'm just throwing out more of an excuse on his behalf as to why... Or sorry, their behalf as to why they would otherwise do some of the stuff they've done. Believe me, having researched Mal recently on a certain projects and found out about the talents involved oh, in that, yeah. everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone has got something that they would rather not talk about in their past. So, you know, I can kind of understand it. Doesn't mean we're not going to laugh about it, of course, but, you know. You know. Um, well, so here's some of the uh, highlights, question mark, of, of the CV. So, Koshida has been um, either an episode director or a storyboarder for everything on their anime news network CB. So um, they found their lane and they're, they're sticking to it. Um, it looks like they've only been the head director of a property for one project. And that's uh, Zoku token Rambu uh, Hanamaru season two. But uh other than that we've got episode direction from uh Symphogear. great show episode, mm-hmm. episode two okay we've got episode direction from kiss Exis. episode 10 haven't seen it heard it wasn't a great show don't intend to anytime soon and don't any of you patrons of ours be getting any ideas now what yeah i know i'm just saying gotta... i'm just saying Gotta keep our cards to our, our chest more on this stuff. Oh, well, my, who am I kidding? Someone's gonna go and request that now. Of course, yeah. A couple interest, too late. A, a couple interesting Sunrise properties are here. Um, we've got Gundam Reconquista in G. Sort of Tomino's, Yoshiki Tomino, original creator, director of Gundam, jumping back in a couple of years ago into the world of Gundam and making this thing that was received kind of poorly by the general audiences, but it has its fans. Um, Koshida did a storyboard for one episode and was unit director on four different episodes, including the penultimate one. And then Classic Lloyd, a show that uh, your friend and mine, Jimmy Gnome, uh, friend of the pod from back in the day, uh, he loves Classic Lloyd, and I really like it too. I haven't finished seeing it, but 
Are you familiar with the premise of classical Lloyd Shadon? Uh, I suppose you're about to tell me. Hit me, Doc. Tell, lay on me what this classical show, quote so quote, is all about. Okay, high school students Kanai and Sosuke live in a provincial town that's trying to revitalize itself with music. One day, suddenly, classicaloid versions of Beethoven and Mozart appear in front of them. Oh, God, no, you've mentioned it. I remember now. Uh, yeah. Mozart, so basically, Mozart rides a skateboard, and Beethoven has, like, a robot. It's it's really great. It's in there. So, it, so it's fate. So, hold on, hold on. No, it's fate. It's fate grand opera. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Nailed it, it is. Nailed it. It is. But it's less conflict battle based um it's not as heavy and dark as fate it's much more lighthearted, very colorful and bright um it has really good representation re uh gender and the full spectrum thereof um does it also do the fate thing of gender bending the heroic spirits uh is mozart a woman Yes, I want to say How did I know? How did I know? How the fuck did I know? Not all of them. I actually don't know that. I can't remember. It really has been. I've only seen like an episode or two and it's been three years. Does does, uh, Beethoven go, Senpai, help me finish my symphony? (laughs) Beethoven's a dude, I'm pretty sure. I think it's just Mozart Uh, that is... uh... I'm too too suspicious of this shit, trust me. No, it's actually good. It's actually good. Um... And I believe Mozart is Mozart is still a boy, so I don't know if it does gender bend them. Mozart is just a a very cute uh, kind of effeminate skateboarder boy, if I recall correctly. You got Bach. Did he say Chopin, Schubert? Um, I'm ignoring your Avril Lavigne reference intentionally. Hey, that's technically music. It's on brand for what we're discussing. Give me some credit for it. Music. Uh, yeah. So we could run down the rest of cushy to see but you get the idea it's kind of like you know for every classical oi there's a fantasia doll uh kind of situation but i think this is i think this is one of the good ones that he's done here uh episode eight of a vinland saga oh boy okay um we've done twitter already so i guess now it falls on me to do the summary. Um, thank you for downloading the feel, the the Twitch app, Felix, you, Felix. <laughs> for just watch our ridiculous streams. Hopefully, the rest of our usual audience can make the transition because this is where we're going to be for a couple months. Thanks, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, okay. Quick summary here of the Ocho episode eight, Vineland Saga. <laughs> That's that's probably actually one of the most appropriate times to make the Ocho Joe, given that there is well, when you when you, I'll I'll spoil now, folks. This is the episode in which the duel between Forfin and Asclad happens, and I just want to ask Doc, and I don't know if he'll actually be able to do it or not, but I want him to describe the duel as if he's commentating a wrestling match. <laughs> Uh, on. I know I'm dropping that on you, Cole, but I'm just going to put that out there, and you may do with it as you wish. Okay. Well, when we get to that portion. I will do it. I'm going to pull up uh, the episode, and we're gonna we're gonna go with this. Um, if you could, while I'm summarizing other bits, if you could find a timestamp and tell me what part of the episode it begins, so I can quickly skip there. 
uh, then I will definitely do it. But let's talk very quickly about uh, some stuff that happens before. Okay, first of all, how do you pronounce the slave girl, the former noblewoman's name? Because to me, it sounds like they're saying whore's land. You're on farm for getting these names because you called these shit, mate. And now, you, and now you're going with Horde. It sounds Jesus like Horseland when they say it out loud, but is it Horde? Horde? Well, Heimlich? As written, I've actually found the frame in which it, her name is first mentioned. Uh, so, according to the subtitles, uh, it's Horderland. But what does it sound like to you when you when you hear it in your ears? Horseland. Uh, Quite possibly, but I'll, you know, I'll just go with Horde Land for now. Horde, the, the Horde. Uh, you know, yeah. We'll yeah, call her the Horde. Land, the, uh, the new loot shooter out from Gearbox, but it's just saying Viking times instead of in like some crazy <laughs> space place. Right. Uh, Horde mode, everyone's favorite. Gears of War mode. Um, That's what the... Uh, I was going to make a Vigilante 8 joke for some reason I wrote down up here. I guess because... VI and then eight made me think of, but you know what? No one played that game, so I just won't make that joke. I'll just skip right on. Um, so, uh, our boys, your favorite, you know, crew of ne'er do wells and troublemakers, are coming back home, uh, or at least to a port of call that they're familiar with. Um, so Askeladd, Bjorn, and friends sail in to this place uh Askeladd meets with uh a guy that he calls uncle uh okay just gonna let that ring um I think it's a telemarketer I wish there was like a button I could push on this phone to make it stop but I don't think I can is he, is he calling to sell you, like, you know, the fastened-up sheet that they're getting on the shoreline? <laughs> yep. That's right. Fed him on grass all year. If it's good <laughs> enough for pirates, it's good enough for you, son! Uh, yeah, so they, yeah, they make a point of showing the sheep. Um, but anyway, they come in, and he talks, Askeladd talks to the uncle, right? And the uncle's like, um, you know, you got a lot of men here, a lot of people I don't know, like... It costs money for the pork and the beer, and Askeladd's like, look. I mean, I mean, Askeladd, have you ever played a 4X game? you got to manage your resources, <laughs> Exactly. Bro. you got to go mine some crystals before you come in here. Uh, and Askeladd's like, look, we've been mining crystals all year. I got you. I got you. I've got that paper. Clunk. You know, he's like holding, you know, necklaces and jewels, like twirling them around. It's like, yeah, we, we good. Feed us. Feed us well. And I'll pay you. And the old man's like, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> and so, you know, Scrooge McViking is there, like, look at, like <laughs> looking into his, like, coin. And Askeladd's like, do you just love money this much? And he's like, oh, yes. Just looking at it makes me so horny. And uh, that's not what he says, but he <laughs> might as well say that, right? And um, so, and then he takes a moment to, uh, you know, heap abuse on uh, Horde. Right? Because he tells her to go bring something. And she just kind of stands there. And he's like, woman, what are you doing? 
bring the booze or whatever. Get with it. <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then uh, he's like, useless girl. We have to, She's terrible. You know, she's used to be a rich lady and now she's good for nothing. And Askeladd is basically like, you know, well, then he looks out the window at Thorfinn and says, you can make use of anyone with the right approach. And, uh, Gorm. <laughs> no! Gorm. Like, mm. Is that where the English mm. expression of being gormless comes from, I wonder? I wonder. Which is, which is uh, you know, to basically say someone's completely empty and vacuous. Head. Like, stop being so gormless. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um... So I'm always, I'm always giving you more of the English vernacular. I know, I like this. I like this. You know, I'm, it's football season again; is in full swing over there. So I'm listening to more podcasts from from you folks, and yeah, and it's good to know terms in case they come up uh, in the discourse. Um, let's see, where was I? Right. Um, and he, you know, asked Glad says like he could make use of anybody, and then. He tells the, you know, the uncle, uh, Gorm, Uncle Gorm, come sit on your Uncle Gorm's knee. Come, I'll tell you the stories of the, the time. May I? You know that. I'm, I have to intervene now that you said that, because there was something I was going to bring up, and you've actually just given me the perfect segue for it. I don't know why, but every time I see Askeladd in full profile, he's wearing this, like, red coat, I keep thinking he's Santa. <laughs> I, I can't get it out of my head. It it just makes him look like Santa Claus, just, you know, not quite as old. Laddie Claus. Oh, boy. And what did, what did you get for Christmas? Another leg of lamb. <laughs> A 16-year-old punk kid who keeps trying to kill me. <laughs> and you, young boy, you get a dagger so you can kill your own foes, too, just like me. Ask your claw. So, uh, yeah. No, a Thorfinn finally gets a jewel for Christmas, to be fair. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Okay. You can fight. You've been, me. A good, you've been a good boy slaughtering and murdering for me, you know, even though I've tried to get you killed many times. Why not? I was going to give you a lump of coal anyway, so you might as well have this. Most, Go on, lad. Most people leave me milk and cookies. You left me a severed head. Ho, 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 ho. Just what I like. You get a duel, sir. So, yeah, he tells Uncle Gorm, right, like, I got this duel, I need you to be my witness. Uh, and so, we come to the duel, um, have you got a timestamp for me for the episode, when the I duel begins? Now it's... Well, if you want it exactly when the moment when it begins, uh, it's, do 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 just through here, here we go, uh, seven minutes and 42 seconds. Okay, duel commentary time, all right. Let me let me uh, mute this here. All right, Hajime, they've begun. Thorfinn crouches, takes a ready stance. He is reflexes like a cat, ready to spring into action at any time. He's the shorter, but he looks like he has the quickness advantage. His weapons good for close combat. If he manages to, with his superior speed, inch in and get uh, some CQC happening. With Askeladd, he could do some real damage. Askeladd not appearing to take him seriously. Oh, and there's a swipe to the face. Askeladd just able to dodge. He's he's fighting him off. 
Excellent defense by the lad. Thorfinn, pressure continuing to mount. Swiping, swiping, and the counterattack. Thorfinn just barely gets out of range of the sword, leaping back, able to oh, stay out of harm's way. And here we have the spectators. We see some camera shots. Bjorn, uh, ever the, the proud surrogate papa, uh, knows what's yeah. up. And we have uh, the annoying kid down there who thinks he could actually hang. Uh, is very surprised. Asklad now uh, fully on guard, ready to rock. Swords up. Thorfinn, sizing up his opponent, rushes in for the second time. Clang, and with swords meet, it looks like... Oh, and he's disarmed him! He's disarmed Asklad! What a shot! It's happening right now. Oh, but no, and a grapple was missed. Thorfinn, very wary of Asklad's superior grappling skills, got the fuck out of there. <laughs> Before he could do the damage, Asklad retrieving his arm, looking ever confident here. Oh no, darkness has descended upon us. <laughs> the studio. All right. Asklad, looking very, very annoyed with Thorfinn. And here it comes. We knew the one place Asklad has the truest advantage, apart from power, in which he has a slight one, is experience. Asklad. Clearly trying to rile up our kid Thorfinn using, uh, you know, the memory of his uh, late father to shake him up. And he's saying he can't remember his name. Trying to, again, just fuck with the kid. Lots of talking here. Thorfinn very angry. His eyes have gone away for some reason. They've ceased to be drawn on his face. Nothing but a shadow. <laughs> Calls him a bastard. We need to, you know what? Mute the disc. Children could be watching this. Please bleep that out. Askeladd knows he's won now. You can see it on his face. He's done it. He has a Thorfinn uh, a reliving the unfortunate moment in which his dad died. Uh, and now he's done it. Askeladd crossed the line, calling him an idiot who would try to save a kid's life. Uh, sacrifice his own life for a kid and there it is the judo flip of doom Askeladd has won Thorn. 3, 2, 1, pain is over it's over, the world Ooh. championship there goes to Askeladd alright oh, <laughs> oh Thorfinn in the prone position and Askeladd just doing insult to injury by breaking his arm before walking away like victorious. Full finish, am I right, Ayo. bro? Finish him. Oh my wow. god. So yeah, that was the duel. Whew. That happened. That was the thing. Um, and I think we'll probably touch on uh, Bjorn there in the crowd and Askeladd and kind of what they were about. I thought that was really interesting. So, uh, after this, uh, I mean, what better way to commemorate the victorious duel than to have a feast? Am I right? You know, so there's a there's a feast. People are eating, drinking. Uh, the really annoying kid, uh, you know, walks up to Askeladd and he's like, you know, trying to get in good with him and start a conversation. You got, uh, you know, Gorm being an asshole, beating a horde again for accidentally dropping some things. And... 
no one really do anything about it, but Askeladd, uh definitely, like, sort of embarrassed for Gorm. You I mean, you can kind of just, like, well, look at the... He tells the kid, look at this motherfucker right here. Am I right? Who thinks that he's the master and that she's the slave when, you know, she only is here because of his money and money is his master. And uh, Askeladd looks down his nose at, like, that kind of relationship to wealth. But he also admits to the kid that uh, everybody is the slave of something. You know, we all have our master. Mm -hmm. Um, And Thorfinn is absent uh, the feast. You know, he's his arm's broken, for one. And uh, for two, uh, he just wants to sit on a ship and eat and not, you know, be with people that murdered his dad. Understandable choice. Yeah, bit bit awkward to sit at the dinner table with mm-hmm. the person who murdered your father. Like, especially after he's just beaten you in a duel. Like, Ag- you know. again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could just see, I could just see Forth in there with like his full size dagger just stabbing into sausages repeatedly, and Beyond going over and he goes, "Not hungry," and he goes like that repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's hungry for something. He's hungry for he's hungry for murder. Indeed. But, unfortunately, as uh, as Asgard has pointed out, though, like you know. I'm not afraid of him trying to kill me in my sleep. This is the thing we actually addressed in the previous episode, uh, because Aslad knows that Thorfinn thinks himself as a warrior and therefore must fight with honor and dignity in, you know, the rules of combat like in a duel, as opposed to, you know, just slitting his throat when he sleeps or, you know, doing the old toaster in the tub thing. I mean, admittedly, that might not have been possible in Viking era. Like, <laughs> right. I don't exactly remember when the toaster was invented, but yeah, uh, you know, there's certainly opportunities for him to murder Aslad in his sleep, but Thorfinn can't do it, which is something I'll address later. But anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You know, Asklad tells that nameless annoying kid that uh, uh, Thorfinn is, uh, you know, bound by his pride. And so that's why he's not worried about taking him on the journey. Um, so then we get uh, Thorfasa, right? Uh, the ghost of Thor. Thor's, sorry. Uh, Thor's Fossa, I guess then it would be appearing to uh, <laughs> Thorfinn on his on his ship, right? Uh, the ship that he's sitting on to eat his dinner is his dad's old ship, which this lot still has. And so, like, the ghost of his dad appears before him, and it's like he's a little boy again. He's crying. Uh, his dad tells him, you know, cry baby, like, and kind of tousles his hair. It's a very touching moment. And uh, tells him, like, you, you get the feeling that this is not the first conversation they've had. Because he's like, you know, I've told you before, like, don't seek revenge. This is not something you need to be doing. But I could tell you that a million times and it wouldn't make a difference. But j- yeah. remember that. Th- oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say, these, these seem like an amalgamation of things that... Um... Force has told Thorfinn before, plus projections of what he mm-hmm. thinks he would say. Like, right. kind of a blend of the two. Uh, it certainly is not Thor's actual ghost there. You don't think? Not pulling, you know, <laughs> no. It's not you the skeptic. actual ghost, so I'll confirm that. <laughs> I know. I I mean, I got my PK me around everything, and it was going up nothing. <laughs> That's right. No no uh, ghost radar didn't, didn't give a blip. Nothing. Nope. Not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, he tells them... You know, that's the stuff again about not having any natural enemies. Um, and what you might think for a split second is 
Thor's hand resting on Thorfinn's shoulder. It actually turns out to be Horde, and when Thorfinn feels it, he takes a swipe at her with his dagger, and uh, I think we should actually, after this scene, I think we should start calling Horde Relina Peacecraft, because oh, I feel like no. this is, oh, like... that's it. My God! <laughs> She's, like, become infatuated with the person that you know, I'm not saying he's going to try to kill her a bunch of times like here, but he tried to kill her. And that seems like, oh, I can understand oh, his reaction, though. He oh. like he's living. He's living amongst a bunch of fucking pirates. One of whom he tried to kill. Well, yeah, day. naturally. And he's half asleep. It's not like he's at her birthday party saying he's going to fucking murder her. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great. And she part. was not there to do anything to him. She was just giving him food. Like, so. Oh, that's a, that's a harsh comparison. Although, look, again, this is just gun and wing poisoning that we've I'm, got. I'm just going to say that if he did not make a swipe at her and he just took the food and was like, thanks, she would have left. But I feel like her interest is piqued by him because of that display of murderous power uh, on his part. She's like, oh, oh, you were going to kill me. That's kind of hot. Do you want to talk? You know? Uh, <laughs> do you want? Oh no, I'm not making that. Joke. Oh yeah, no. Gonna, feel, this is um, there's, 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 there's there's plenty of jokes I could make, but I'm gonna restrain myself. This is a gun a Gundam wing. Nice this is a Gundam wing reference. The the main female character for over half the show is obsessed with this dude who tries to kill her multiple times, uh, and is also a colossal shithead. The dude in question, it, it, no question. Because yeah. Because yeah. honestly, like at this point, I think the vast majority of anime I've ever watched basically say like women. You know how you like your guys? Complete wankers. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and she's definitely like, we'll see. We'll see if, she, if if there's more more to her. I get, I mean, this is Vinland Saga. This isn't fucking run-of-the-mill anime. This is fucking Vinland Saga. So yeah. this... She's, she's, yeah, she isn't villager, num, you know, female villager number 2356, you know, generic standard, you know, white with blonde hair class. This is not uh, Kasai we're talking about here from Given. <laughs> This is, oh god! <laughs> this is hopefully like a character that will, we will see, you know, three dimensions of her, and she'll be interesting and and have depth. But this moment just made me laugh because it made me think of freaking Aurelina, who I've not thought about in for hero. I'm right over here, so come and kill me. Like this is what she's saying, like in the dub, like is, on a cliff overlooking the sea. <laughs> Is that how Horde is going to, you know, tempt Thorfinn to come to <sighs> Vinland? She's just going to project her voice halfway across the earth to him. I'm right over here on the on Vinland's shores. Come and get me. And he's like, fucking going. I'm going. <laughs> Hang on. I've only got a dagger. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm rowing as fast as I can. <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, there's Horde, like, when she gives him the food. He eats his rolls and whatever you have ravenously as he can with one hand. Uh, and, like, she kind of, she says uh, to him, are you like me? Like, we seem the same. And Thorfinn, of course, is offended by this. Like, I'm I'm not a slave. What you talking about? Mm. I'm, a, I'm a warrior. Tell Baby, me more, I Thorfinn. can eat wherever I want. Tell me more. I'll eat out here because I choose to. Right? I mean, in other news, I, can... I totally have a full flowing head of hair. I <laughs> promise you, it's right down to just below my shoulders, and it is the silkiest fucking shit you have ever seen. 
I mean, if Thorfinn can make up complete bullshit, so can I. I, I we'll can, address that in a bit. Okay. I, I could I could do what I want. And she's like, oh, well, we seem similar to me. And, you know, she's confiding kind of in him, I guess, because she feels that kind of kinship of some sort that, look, uh, she, knows, she knows she's a slave. Uh, she could run away. She could go wherever she wanted to. She could, she could, you know, go to the far ends of the world, but uh, you know, she wouldn't be able to escape, like the fact that there's inequality in the world, there's brutality, tyranny, slavery, like all these things. It's almost like they follow you, like, but but they're just ever present. There's not a physical location that you could go to that you would, you know, be out from under these things, except... Oh, sucks. I can't currently hear Doc up here, so we've had some sort of technical difficulties. Oh, okay. Can you can you not hear me? Can the stream hear me? Because um, on OBS, uh, I've got my the... bars. Hmm. hmm. I can hear you now. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Cool. Okay. No idea what happened there. <laughs> I hope everybody can still hear me. Uh, because the uh, my my wave level is still on OBS. Uh, maybe it was just a Discord issue for a minute. Um, yeah, I think maybe, maybe your central process was malfunction. You were revealing you really were, you know, um, cyborg, you know, metal endoskeleton with a tissue overlay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it is. I think this is a Discord issue. Um, let me let me restart our call. You're back, you're back, no, no, your bat's normal. We can continue. But you are freezing. Uh, Alright, so let me just I'm try to so We'll try to restart our call really quick here uh... Can you hear me? Alright All right. Yes We're, we're back uh, And you're not freezing So I think you're okay Alright, our call looks to be Excellent Back online. All right, Viking time once again. Um, uh, well, she says all this, okay? But Thorfinn's like, actually, the Great Valley is a place where no sharp tooth can get... Uh, yeah, no, he says, uh, actually, Canada, we can go t to Vinland. It's to the west. It's warm. Nobody will find you. You could escape there. It's all good. And she's like, really? And you think mm -hmm. you think I'm deluded? <laughs> but no, here's here, no, really. Here's the travel brochure. We've got a full suite of package holidays for you <laughs> here. All inclusive hotel deals. You can even visit a casino. Go see the Great Lakes. It's going to be fantastic. Again, maybe I don't have quite my have my history right here. Surely that must have been a thing back then. We got yeah, exactly. We got the five the five star package. Uh, right, you got that. You can have a uh, a hut next to Leif Erikson and also other uh, Twitch influencers of your choice. Maybe it turns out that Leif is actually running an Airbnb in uh, you know Finland. <laughs> you know it. Um, this was a cool moment when they were talking about this because they were surrounded by like heavy blizzard, the wind, the snow was all around them, much like the inescapable, the inescapable, like, you know, uh, 
inequality, tyranny, brutality, like Horde was talking about. Um, but mm-hmm. the sh- it does the sh- the shot transitions, and the music begins to swell as the camera like pans up from the ocean to a sunny day with birds. So maybe this is like a little bit of a mm, like you know it. Everything is really dark, and it seems pretty hopeless. But man, there's this little hope around the corner uh, at the next dawn. Uh, but but when it, it does fade into this next scene, it's uh, we see um, Kanute, is it? Kanute, the Man. the prince, the Viking prince guy with the the helmet. Um, Could possibly be. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out more in the coming episodes. Yeah, so he's hanging out. Um, it's springtime again. Being stoic, standing stoically, mm-hmm. watching over the sea. Like, well, you know. I've got nothing else to do but pose. I might as well pose for a bit. I mean, if I you're gonna wait to England, if you're gonna pose, like, pose, fucking do it. And he, yeah, he's like nailing it. Um, well, he ain't he posing, so that's something, <laughs> right? So, like, yeah, this is Kanute, uh, and he's like the heir to the king's throne. We find out in a minute, but the king, it, the king has survived. The king has fucking lived through the winter, and. I know. It's springtime, so it's time to march again. And uh, this the, the camp that, that we see here, I think, is notable for, uh, one, the fucking CBS logo shields. The Illuminati eyeball the stupid shields, again, are back from the Yorms Vikings. And also, their flag is like a, like a dragon puppy. Like, it's supposed to be a dragon, but it looks like a really tiny, cuddly dragon with, like, a leash on it and it looks like a lot of little Who's that Pokemon <laughs> exactly it's Dragonite a tiny version um and uh I must say in the scene Floki looks old he looks so old how, how many old how how old was that? Old. That was quite a lot old so old fucking ancient I mean his face is like a fucking G- I mean, I, mean I knew map. the Vikings would become. I mean, the Vikings would become like ancient history, but he didn't need to preempt that by looking that fucking old. He God damn, man! Was guess him just for men. <laughs> Saw your fucking wrinkles out. He does need some cream. Surely, like one of the towns that he's raided, he could have found some some cream for his face, some kind of concoction to prevent yeah. just him looking. I've like traveled a... far and wide in search of the legendary <laughs> elixir known as Botox. Where will I find this strange concoction? <laughs> Villagers, bring out your witch doctor, your medicine man. Have ye Neutrogena? <laughs> Have ye L'Oreal? No? Off with their heads. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must be in short supply, because seriously, he's like a, like a chiseled raisin. Just, uh, But yeah, so they're going to fight, they're going to march... And we get uh, we get a little bit of a time skip because like we the encampment is like we see in the spring, and then it goes like you know the arrow follows along the map like a like it's a intro of like a Fire Emblem game or some other tactics RPG. Mm-hmm. It's like the Vikings marched through all of England, crushing everyone until they got to London, and uh, that's kind of it. Like apparently London resists. Oh yeah, we see uh, Blinkaji's favorite guy. Um, Thorkel. Thank you. Thorkel. Uh, yeah. Who we've seen previously in episode one. He was fighting with Thors in the uh, one of the earlier battles. 
Okay, yes. I was like, for a minute there, I was like, did Ascalon start wearing a headband? Like, well, hmm, I wonder. I wonder about that. <laughs> but we'll, we'll find out, I'm sure, later. We can speculate about that another time. But yeah, uh, I'll I will say, though, 4KL, he's got a mighty strong throwing arm. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. Uh, eat, eat your heart out, Kratos. <laughs> it's just, yeah, he, he's the, the one scene that we get to see him in is uh, quite a violent one where he throws his uh, hatchet axe thing. Yeah. And uh, takes out like three guys. Yeah, he got the Unreal Tournament Ultra Kill noise <laughs> to play. Mm hmm. Killing spree. Uh, so that's, that's it. I mean, that's. Those are by and large the events of uh, episode eight here, Shadon. I'm gonna gonna turn it over to you so we can get our discussion started. Sounds good to me. All right, so let's talk about parallels because holy shit, there's plenty of parallels to derive from this particular episode. Uh, the first one and probably the most obvious one that I suspect you've all spied is that when we see the episode starts off with the sheep being looked after by the two people on the cliff, uh, you've got. Uh, you know, the children running around the village that Gorm runs. You've got Askeladd's girly fan club. Uh, all sorts of shit. Like, yeah. it's, n- it's a normal life, fan club not included, really, for the people who live there, including presumably Askeladd, when he's not away pillaging and plundering and all that. Um, but that's the point. It is a normal life for them here. Like, they live a life not too dissimilar, I would argue, environment notwithstanding, from the life Fors and his family in the villages that they live with had um, it's just unfortunate that Askeladd and his men you know they provide for their particular um, village through piracy, murder, you know pillaging, thievery, you name it but nonetheless it's clear like you know that it's like that old like you know the Nazi man you know does the awful things that like you know the camps and all that but then goes home to the loving wife and daughter and how does that work mm. um, but yeah that's an obvious parallel there that um between that and the previous time, but it goes beyond that. So we have scenes later on this episode that are of um, the King of Denmark and his various cronies getting ready to invade England, you know, uh, to shut the insolent English up, for whatever reason that is. But here's the thing, right? No one likes football. (laughs) Well, I said, well, (laughs) of of all of us on this podcast, it's you who actually likes it, not me, and I'm actually English, so someone's got to feel it, I guess. What if it was they just, like were so deeply offended by cricket. They were like, we must kill them. <laughs> Beats me. Um, maybe maybe they wanted to recreate, like I joked about on Twitter, the lyrics of Clash's London Carly. There you go. Yep. I mean, Humberside is mentioning that particular song, oh, yeah. which is, you know... Yes. So, hey, there you go. Um, but anyway, why do I bring this up? Because if you think about it, the entirety of Denmark doing this invasion of England on the King's orders is actually not really different on conceptually at least, to what Askeladd has been doing with his pirates. Right. Just on a grander scale, with a lot more people and government sanctioned. But regardless, both of them are involved in, uh, if not the expansion, then at least the sustaining of their societies, be it the village or the country as a whole, through, you know, the mur- m- mass murder and mass exploitation and robbery of other peoples. And it just, by that comparison, it goes to show that that kind of, you know, attitude of, of aggressive expansionism in order to, you know, fuel and, you know, keep your own economy and your own country and way of life going is basically piracy. It's no better than it morally or ethically. Now, that might seem obvious, of course, but 
if there's one thing I think Vinland Saga is leading towards, and this is why it's in this particular point in history, is even as long ago as that, how many examples are between uh, ne- then and now of where colonialism and, you know, aggressive, like, you know, invasion and, p- and plundering of other lands uh, was committed in the name of just simply, you know, e- expansion. Like, the king is basically no bear Asgard. Indeed, if you think about it, Put your mind back to episode 7. What was Askeladd wearing when he had stolen all of that shit from the French village? A crown and all sorts of other crap. He's no diff- they're no different conceptually as people. Mm-hmm. The only difference is one of them is a king and one of them is a pirate. So I really like that. I like that the, you know, it was willing to tear down that understanding that you know, governments and all this you know, like militaristic expansion kind of thing, mm-hmm. it's no better. It's, like war has already been depicted as a stupid, pathetic thing throughout the show's run, mm-hmm. but this just also again goes to show that that kind of thing, even if it's officially sanctioned by a government, makes no difference. You're still a pirate. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good point, right? That uh, often like like isolated cultures can be myopic. Um, mm. You know, when there's not a multicultural. Um, kind of not a way to have that kind of experience like it's really easy to be like well like our stories our narratives our kind of moral categories like that's all we know like there's not really a way to kind of think outside of them like they they can't Mm -hmm. uh have like a global perspective or whatever it's just like well we good they bad uh yay odor um yeah indeed the reasons the king specifies we're going to invade england are never really given because fuck yep. it, why do I need a reason? I want to go plunder, pillage, and kill, and expand, and you know, have all their wealth and their arable land, Give me that. their yeah. men, their cattle. You fucking name it. Yeah. I want it, and that is reason enough for me to take it. Yeah, we have now, no idea, be... like if there's like some kind of famine or something. You know what I mean? That would like not justify, but at least there will be some kind of reason. Like, well, they need like resources or whatever. Like, we have no idea. It, 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 as far as we know, it's just like a fucking. And, and I'm sure we could just go look in a history book. And uh, there's one of our patrons who has done this sort of thing is probably going to be mad listening to this that I don't know offhand what the reason is. Well, even, even then, if it's not stated, I think that's intentional. Yeah, it's okay. It, mm-hmm. Again, I just said before about historical accuracy. Even if there was a reason that they were driven to do this kind of thing, I'm missing it from Vinland Saga, I think, is a good thing because I don't think that this is justifiable. I don't think trying to diminish that through saying, well, they were starving over there or some shit yep. helps the story. Um, it kind of takes away from no, it. No, I hear you. But I want to I I ask you a question about something that I do think might diminish the story, actually, a little bit. So we're, so we're already about a third of the way into the show's run at this point, and it's quite clear that, you know, war is bad, you know, we've got Edwin Starship going on, and particularly right. the kind of aggressive, you know, pillage, plunder, you know, steal, uh, devour the resources of the land and its peoples kind of thing is awful, and it shouldn't be done. I have a question for you, and I'm going to put this in the poll in a minute as well, so stay tuned for this, folks. Do you think... The that the power of this message is diminished given it's set in, you know, Viking and Norse times and given every single historical event of that happening later on between now and when this show was made happened like, you know, colonial America or, you know, the British Empire like, this is bad, but it happened anyway, whoops I don't follow you like, Vinland Saga they're going to go Vinland at some point, which is Mm -hmm. America and then they're trying to try and, you know not have a repeat of the things they've had before, like fourth and breaking out of his revenge thing, you know, trying to escape from piracy and all that. Mm-hmm. But 
again, like what happens to America in, in actual history after the timeline of this show is, you know, colonialism, you know, right. exploitation of lands and people. So any message this show will give of like fourth and eventually triumphing over that and like, you know, keeping a, a peaceful home for himself in a foreign land that doesn't exploit or, you know, ruin the lives of native people and like, mm. I feel is it, I feel will ring a little hollow because the actual history doesn't bear that out. It feels kind of futile. Uh, so I guess my initial thoughts on that are that I think that that is sort of the point. Like, I think the message is descriptive and not prescriptive about this sort of thing. Like, mm. I think what Horde is saying, uh, you could kind of take it face value as the show's point of view. At least this is what how I see it right now, that actually, like, all this sort of awful, like, cruel, inhumane stuff, like, it is the world. It is all around us. Mm-hmm. And... You know, Thorfinn kind of getting out of that, like, and finding some peace for himself somehow, I think, is going to be, like, what the show's about. And, and on an, indi- like, individual humans um, kind of transcending that awfulness. Much more so it's so micro than- versus macro, then, yeah. Yeah, because I think I don't think the show is about changing the macro. The macro feels too big um, to be to be changed. Um, and like you said, there's all this history that we know it happened, and uh, and I feel like the messaging up to this point is um, you might be like, well, why if there's if not if there's not uh, the ability to change it, like why are they even talking about it? Why the anti-war message? Well, because there have been societies like the Vikings and there still are people to this day that want to kind of glorify it and like kind of co-opt war as something, this kind of great making enterprise for uh, political reasons, religious reasons, yada, yada, Resources, yada. Iraq. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but so it's not even like it's ancient history. It's very recent. Yeah. I um, think, I think the prescriptive part of it is the, like ripping down that facade of it as anything but an awful inhumane thing but it's not like oh it's it's i think the show might be saying like yes see it for what it is because it's gonna kind of be everywhere and there's not really too much on a macro level that can be done yeah i mean for me like just to speak hypothetically here there are certainly a lot of advantages to doing a story like this in the setting it's in, where it has that historic basis, even if not necessarily totally accurate. I mean, unless, you know, some crazy shit happens now where someone finds, like, you know, a dagger with two arrow runes on it, and then, you know, so it's like, hey, this kid was, like, 17 when he died, but uh, it appears he might have murdered someone before, it, like, you know, it turns out fourth and is actually real. Uh, <laughs> right. Obviously not. But, but there is certainly advantages doing that. Um, stories like that, including just the fact that, you know, it's refreshing to have something that is set in that particular time period from a Japanese author, no less, as well. But, if I were to spec- like throw this completely out there, imagine if Vinland Saga was not based in historical, like, uh, a foundation thereof, of, of history, but rather was completely fictional, like, say, Berserk. Berserk, you know, Midland isn't a real place, even though it has 
the, you know, trappings of English castles and, like, that kind of thing, and even a bit of, you know, the old French thing going on, blah, 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 blah. Um, or even if you wanted to go even further than that and turn it into something that's set ostensibly in the future from our time, make it a sci-fi thing, I don't know. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I speculating on this when that's not what we've got? Because those are the kind of things exist in a otherworldliness that's separate from our own reality, uh, where, like, Vinland Saga currently exists in because it's actually based on quite a substantial amount of actual history and enough trappings of it to make it feel not non-fictional, of course, right. But, right. but that it is, you know, tied into events in history that we can accept, and then, you know, it follows that those events, you know, lead into our regular timeline from there on. And that's why I think that the message of the macro message of, you know, all this stuff being, like, you know, awful and terrible would be better served in a disconnected, like, fictional world, be it fantasy or sci-fi or whatever, because then it, you know, leaves open to the idea that it's something that we can achieve as opposed to being set in the definitive time that Vinland Cyrus set in, where we know that there's plenty of horrible shit that follows in the hundreds of years between, like, the 1013 point which London is invaded to present day. Yeah, I just don't think it's about achieving anything, was my yeah. point. Um, I thought, yeah, that it was a sort of uh, meant to be descriptive. But, but I mean, yeah. I see what you mean. Um, I guess, ah, God, I forget who, someone was talking about this. God damn it, I can't remember who, because it wasn't... Um, It, it, God, I can't remember, but anyway, I was reading, this author was talking about this. Maybe it was N.K. Jemison um, on Twitter, but they were saying um, there was a discussion about fantasy allegory and, like, you know, like all, a bunch of nerds doing awful shit, like mm. harassing people, having, like, shitty views, like, ethno-nationalist or alt-right or um, being, you know, misogynist, racist, uh, all these, like, shitty things. And, but, but they like all these fantasy properties that promote the opposite of all that. Mm. And someone was saying, like, oh, like, well, why, like, I don't understand. And the author was like, basically, like, it's too dissociative. Like, they're not going to take from that allegory what you want because it is said in a fantasy world that's not our own. So, like, it's important to, like, uh, you know, have these kind of messages put inside our own world. But then people are going to whine and cry that they're political when if you took them out and put them in a fantasy world, they wouldn't be seen as that because they're in a fantasy world. The, the point I guess I'm trying to make is, like, maybe... Maybe it's good that it is in the real world. Maybe it will help the poignancy of the, the descriptive part of the message, of all parts of the message. Hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, I, like, it's not a message I'm saying that we should never make or not continue to make. It's certainly something that we should learn from and continue to be told about, given, again, events that happened in this actual century thus far that show that, like I mentioned with Iraq. Um, but like I say, for me, if that's the message it's trying to go for, then, well, things don't end well in actual Vinland in America after that point when, you know, when the show concludes, like, you know, and maybe Thorfinn looks off into the sunset. Finally, freedom, a land of tolerance and, you know, 
where no one is truly hunted or exploited. Oh, shit. Reminds me of that episode from The Simpsons where they did the retelling of uh, The Twelve Plagues of Egypt, Moses and the Pharaoh, where I think it's Milhouse says to Bart, like, oh, look, like, you know, we Jewish people are free. We're in the desert now. It's great. So what's next? And he goes, uh, 40 years of wandering for nothing. And then Mars is like, oh, he's playing sailing for the Jews after that, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? And Bart's just like, <laughs> yeah, let's just go. I think we might be talking, like, well, I, I guess, yeah, I'm, like, I'm just saying that I don't think the story is, uh, how do I say this in a way that's different than I've said it? Um, I suppose it'll depend on how it plays out, to be quite honest, because we are only, I must stress, like, we're only eight episodes in. I'm getting ideas of what it wants to say, but let's see how it concludes on those ideas first, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that the fact that history turned out the way it did, it matters to what the story is trying to do. I think, mm. again, I think the, that it is being only descriptive about how awful war is. So like the fact that it continues on isn't like a detriment to what it's trying to do. I also think like we, it's my speculation that we may get a like Vinland is in your heart message. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, um, yeah, because it's like Disneyland. Because because if it does, if it does do the whole like, well, if we go to this latitude and longitude, uh, I did the wrong ones. Latitude, longitude, uh, and we get to Vinland, then no war will will fight. Like I think that is less interesting and kind of it, it seems that that seems really kind of less than what the show is capable of doing. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be like, this is the place that's, you know, free of that. I think it will be, yeah, more of an internal thing and will be about individuals, um, transcending. An ideal to strive, strive towards rather than necessarily achieving perhaps. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to be about building a society of, Hmm. of peaceful people. Like it's, yeah. So, um, let me ask you a question. Um, this is more related to what we were talking about last week. Um, and I thought, you know, now would be a good time to revisit it. Like, so last week I was saying, I was talking about liking Ask Lad, and then you said, did Griffith do anything wrong? And I thought that was rather unfair, right? Um, I was joking. <laughs> I wasn't being that serious. Hey. I know, but like, we all... no, sorry, go ahead. No, you have to. Uh, just because like. No, obviously, yes, you were kidding. Like, we all, like, we have, I think you and I are in agreement that the idea that you can only like characters that are good boys is silly. Um, you know, there are tons of flawed characters, antiheroes, even, like, evil characters and villains that, I mean we're doing fiction, right? You can like them. Like, it's it's fine. It doesn't mean liking a character doesn't mean, like, you endorse their behavior or even want to be friends with or any stupid bullshit like that. So, like, and you you mentioned in Discord that you thought, actually, it was an issue liking Askeladd, right? Because of what the show is doing, and I was wondering if you could yes. elaborate on that. Okay, so this is, again, a function, I think, of the issues I discussed last time, in that 
Episode 7 really should be episode 1, and all the other episodes after that point should be plus 1 onwards. Because the show is trying to get you on board with all the awesome shit that happens in that episode, and what Asclad is doing, and giving one up to Jabba Faye, as I've said. But, that's again overshadowed because of the order in which these, these events occur, by the fact that, oh yeah, Thorfinn wants him dead because he did kill his father, and he's also been doing other awful shit. Like, we know that at that point. And that's why my complaint was I felt that it shouldn't have been done out of order, because I think that it was very intentionally set up, even down to the language the characters speak and the details we get in the order of the episode, to build up to that layer. You're like, oh, Askeladd's awesome, and I'm like, oh, actually, wait, no, he's not. He's a shithead. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't think what he does is awesome, but it's very deliberately framed in such a way as to get you on board and then tear that down, as opposed to being in this sequential order, now it is, where it's building him up it's mm-hmm. taking you out of alignment with Thorfinn's perspective on it, mm-hmm. which is always, you know, like, he's awful and terrible. Now, audience disconnect from character perspective is not necessarily a bad thing. But I think that in the case of, like, that being Thorfinn's primary goal at the moment, we may not necessarily have to hate Asgard as much as he does, yeah. but we need to be in alignment or agreement with his general print goal. And the show was deliberately working against that because its events were out of order from the original manga. I don't know. If I get why ha- they did it. I don't know if we have to be in alignment with his perspective. I think it's fine. I mean, like, I think as long as we understand it, and it has been made abundantly clear why he wants he him want to him die, dead. and that and that he should, and right, and then it would be just and right for him to die because he's bad. Um, but I think that doesn't preclude us being like, ah, he's like you know, a shithead that I enjoy watching do his thing. No, that and that's not what I said. What I said was that the show was fucking up. Oh, I see. Because, I see what you mean. Yeah, that was my not my personal like I my personal viewpoint. Like I can certainly get behind the event. Like I thought the Viking stuff, like with the boats, was awesome. I jo- I mean, you heard my jokey description about <laughs> yes. it. Clearly, I did. Yeah. But the reason I made those jokey descriptions, apart from just trying to wax humorous about it, was also to show that it again, like you know, it's the show trying to make Asgard look good when in reality it shouldn't be trying to you know, put te- pull us further away from Vorthin's perspective, like, I don't think it... I think it works only, or rather mostly, if you put it back its original position chronologically oh. as it was in the manga. I see. Uh, I wasn't, maybe... like, complaining... I wasn't yeah. complaining about the idea of problematic characters in general. I'm okay. complaining about the show... The, the arc. ...fucking up. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. It's... So, I guess we will ultimately see... This would be interesting to revisit later because I wonder if, you know, if at the end of Askeladd's journey, if we see, oh, I understand now why the author did this because they wanted to humanize him at this point more toward the back half of his journey than the beginning. Um mm-hmm. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was like, so the arc as it would be in the manga, I guess, is you see him and you think he's pretty cool and then it's all totally downhill and there's no more kind of integration with like the rest of his uh, positive characteristics or whatever. Whereas, like you said, this time it kind of goes down and then up again. Uh, Maybe, you know, let's wait and see, I guess, until and we'll see like, well, this was a good kind of reworking of the arc but um 
But no, okay. I see. I def, I see where you're coming from now. Um, it's a misunderstanding on my part. And I thought you no were worries. talking about problematic characters in general. Like, oh, God, hang on, no, a no, come on. I, I, I think. I think. Like, come on. Like Griffiths is shitter, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy. Yeah. Even even without the knowledge, like you know, of what he does at the end of the, like the Golden Age arc, like as I didn't know, uh-huh. uh, or I didn't know, but I, like I, I mean, we discussed this in the cast where I was like, even though I knew what was going on, like or what would happen and where it would end and how what wretch it would be, I still couldn't help but feel compelled to get behind him. Yeah, and that's intentional right. on Berserk's part. Berserk's part, even if you know that Griffith is going to do the horrible shit, still works to get you behind him because mm-hmm. it kind of also makes you realize how all the other characters are suckered into his charisma as well. Whereas, as I say, in Vinland's case, the events of the order of events as presented in the manga have been changed around, and that to me is not for the show's betterment. I think it actually makes it worse. Okay. Remember Berserk? Remember how oh, good Berserk a, was? I'm going to rewatch that at some point. God, just I'm just thinking about like uh, the music, like the oh, like the core, like do 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 yeah, just like Griffith hanging out, people looking at him being like, oh my god, he's so fucking cool. <laughs> exactly. God, exactly. This, that show, man, so good. But, okay, uh, what do, what is your next, uh, what's your next discussion point for Vinland 8? Alright, so, let's talk about the duel and let's talk about how it concludes it, because I think that, I'm going to put this up as a poll again, folks, but I'll just ask you, Doc, if Askeladd hadn't, you know, recognized that he could push Forfin's buttons so hard that he would cause him to lose his shit, and basically pull the, uh, the first Zorro movie equivalent of, like, never give in to anger. Like, right! Kind of, like, be, be, yeah, because that's really <laughs> what it was. Uh-huh. But if he hadn't done that, do you reckon Forfin would have beaten him and killed him there and then? I'm of the opinion he would have. Yeah, I think that there's enough of a probability, I mean, and it's it's clear Askeladd thought that there was a good enough chance of that happening that he needed to do something. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, Askeladd, like, says to him, you know, like, you need to not take things so seriously, paraphrase. Like, you know, don't get too worked up. And I think this is actually a really, really interesting kind of catch-22. Um, because the moment that Thorfinn loses his emotional connection to his father... And the whole reason for doing this in the first place, like I think that you know, if he loses that and take kills Askeladd, then that's him done for. Like that's his heart completely hollowed out. So, I, I'm really, really fascinated by this because I think in that kind of way, like Orphan can't give that up. He can't not approach this in some way with a certain amount of anger and emotion towards it. Maybe he needs to control it ultimately. Maybe it's not Catch Twenty Two after all. I did find it interesting to think about that, you know, he doesn't want to give that up. He doesn't want to become a soulless murdering machine. Like you, It's like that old adage, you know, what have, what does the hunter do once the hunt is over? And indeed, I think that's what Vinland is going to be tackling with uh, the whole idea of Vinland as a concept, if not the actual place later. But yeah, uh, Ask pushing his buttons like that. Fine way to end the fight, um, but... I have to wonder, like, you know, ultimately, will Thorfinn get his revenge in the end, and will it cost him dearly to do so? Because it will require yeah. him to ultimately, you know, disconnect himself from the pain he feels of his father's death and the fact that he cared about such... I mean, we have a very clear example in this episode that his father still means quite a lot to him, even after all these years. Yeah, I think in, in this vein, I think 
Horde's introduction of the story is probably pretty important. Um, well, bear in mind, she's not the first slave we've seen in this story. Cash no. your mind back to Harpdap. Yeah, no, to the first episode. But I think she will be... I, I project that she will... Like, her relationship with Thorfinn will be... That's something else that he needs to care about and focus on in his life so that the revenge won't be everything. So that when either he kills Askeladd or someone else kills Askeladd, that he won't be totally abandoned and feel completely empty. Like, I think by that point, their relationship will have oh, advanced. Oh, man. To... Can, you, can, you ima- can you imagine if Askeladd and Thorfinn are just chatting on a boat when they're doing a fight somewhere? And, like, Thorfinn's like, you know, you will duel me again, you prick. And Askeladd's like, look, right, you little shit, I ain't got time for... <laughs> Unseen yeah. sniper. Yeah, he just gets killed by a nobody. Uh-huh. Oh man, that would be that'd be something, wouldn't it? It'd be it, shocking. It would, but be. it would also be a great way of like you know exploring Thorfinn's reaction to that that his revenge has been denied him, and now what? He what needs, can he do now? Yeah. He needs something else because this can't. Well, this can't be everything yeah. for him forever, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, right. As much as he was describing Vinland to uh, Horda, he was also, in theory, I'd argue, describing it to himself, because that's mm. the first time we've heard him speak about it uh, since it was, like, that's you right. know, or since, since his father's death. So he's rema- he's woke that back oh, up, it? To a slave! Again! Yes! In the first episode, when Thor's, you know, yeah. talked to him, yeah, and then mm. here's another uh, slave. Wow, yeah, that's a nice... That's a nice... Um, uh, parallel, I, whatever the right word is, call that. I don't know, but yeah, yep, do it, revisiting it. this. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Um, did you have anything else on that, or um, I uh, no? I just, I just, thought, I just thought it was really interesting to observe that, like, Thorfinn's journey now in order to finally take on Asgard, if even that happens again, like. Is he going to go so far as to completely disconnect himself from his father and just completely lose all sense of himself? Because that's the thing that drives him, and in order for him to fire and not be taunted by it, he has to like not feel that anymore? Or will that be something he can overcome in time? Because mm. of now being able to grieve? Like, we'll find out, undoubtedly, but yeah, like it's not so simple as presented no. that he just simply needs to not get worked up, because him losing that emotion, that fury, I would argue, does come with a cost. It pushes him close yeah. to becoming more of like a mindless, violent fuck, I'd say. Huh. Okay. Maybe maybe there's a way to keep the grief without the rage. Like possibly. Maybe it's like a like move to the next phase of letting go would be the idea. Like uh maybe Horda can kinda bring some light and softness such that he can do that, maybe. Maybe we're totally speculating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so... um, it... go on. Oh, no, I was going to change the subject, but you first. Well, um, I've got another talking point, but it can come after in a bit. It's just okay. kind of related to you talk about Harder and, uh, and Farfin on the boat, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Okay, um, well, my, mine will touch on that, too, um, because that conversation they have is what I want to talk about, mainly, uh, and also mm. the one... Uh, Askeladd's kind of interactions and thoughts about uh, Uncle Gorm when (laughs) we sort of 
keep coming back to uh, two or three different times this episode the, this idea of uh, master and slave and you know Askeladd says that everybody is a slave to something now certain uh, certain master slave relationships really bother people like Askeladd looks down at Gorm because he's enslaved to wealth he doesn't feel like that's a worthy master um, whereas uh, the boy who is talking to Askeladd feels like, uh, you know, he says, if I didn't have my pride to live for, I'd kill myself. So obviously, in Askeladdian terms, he thinks that uh, pride and honor are worthy masters. And If I may make two observations, just to follow what you just said there. Okay. That kid, I don't know what his name is, but I'm just going to call him uh, RE 2.0, because he is the same character. He's yeah. the same one. He has the same reaction to Askeladd. Like, I'm going to go out on pillage with Askeladd. It's going to be great. Just the same as Ari did when Falls was setting up the war. So even then, you know, context may change and all that, but human behavior does not. Mm. And human reactions to, like, the promise of war and plunder do not either. Even though that guy looks like he's barely capable of understanding. <sighs> oh, pointy head goes in person. I'll stab them here. Like, that obviously works. <laughs> Send him to make yeah. war on an yeah. anthill. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the second the second thing I'll note, and this is a kind of sore detail, is that when uh, Horda drops her stuff to the floor, like her food, when she's going through the hall, and uh, Gorm starts going up and whipping her, when she falls, we already see that she's got numerous scuff marks all over her. She's clearly been beaten half to death previously. And I wonder if Askeladd's observation about like him being useless as a slave owner is because he's actually treating her too harshly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, like... He, and I'm not saying as in, like, you know, he's saying he should be good about it, but rather he should be optimal about it, which is a key difference. And this is also started to tread hilariously into S.H.I.E.L.D. hero territory for that show. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, he clearly um, believes that he's uh, a bad owner, that yeah. he's in, really in the wrong about managing her, because he has been able to manage his own little doggy. Thorfinn, right? And oh, yes. been able to use him in ways that benefited his whole crew. Um, well, when, when you say that, he, like, we obviously can't predict if the events would have changed to turn exactly the same, but Thorfinn does actually save Askeladd's life in one battle that we saw in one of the previous episodes. Now, again, can't say they would turn out exactly the same without Thorfinn's inclusion, but, well, I think that's pretty clear, you know, clear, you know, indictment of Askeladd saying, like, hey, you know what? Slavery, like, you know, I don't actually need to have a proper leash or own him as property, but I can use him optimally to get shit I want done. Yep. Yeah. So saved Askeladd's life while trying to get the head mm -hmm. of someone so he could officially kill Askeladd. Again, yep. very well, may ironic. I, may I pose but. a theory or a thesis statement for you? Something to consider is not right now, but as the show continues. Mm-hmm. Is Thorfinn being, like, is what I presume will be his gradual, you know, infatuation with the idea of Finland in itself a kind of slavery? Hmm, that's really interesting. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, right now... We, we, we know what he's currently enslaved to right now, which is mm -hmm. his revenge. Yeah, and he has no idea, which I think is the interesting part, that, like, the fact that Horda... Uh, Hord... Hord... Horde uh, mode. Horde mode. Horde mode. Comes up and says, we're the same. Um, you know, they're not, uh, 
you know, he doesn't have any marks or chains. They're not from oh, the same. Pass that again. Okay, I'm. No, wait, no, no, you're back now. Sorry, you you you, you slowed down and then sped back up again. I think you got King Crimson. Oh, amazing. That's great. Um, there's no similarity, uh, really, apart from their blonde hair, apart from a kind of metaphysical one that she can sense, right? That, like, she believes that they're alike because he just has that aura about him that he is enslaved to something. And he doesn't see the chains, right? He believes he's making his own decisions. I can eat where I want. I can do what I want. I can kill Askeladd if I want to. But, like, he doesn't see that, like, uh, Askeladd is manipulating him because he knows that he's really enslaved to, like, his revenge and the sense of honor he has. And, mm -hmm. uh... This is also know, why he... I... This, just to add, this is also mm -hmm. why Askeladd doesn't kill him in the duel. Because he's still useful. Why would you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you still get more mileage out of this. Like, keep it going. Mm. Um, if but... I may just add something just at this point, just just in case people are curious. Like, if you did listen to the Shield Hero discussion that I did, where I went on a very long screed about how now Fumi is a complete wanker and, like, there's no justification for what he did. Like, as I mentioned in that particular discussion, there's n I don't personally have a problem with pretty much any topic being discussed, period, as part of fiction. Like, simply the inclusion thereof. Like, the act of simply writing a story about slavery is not a bad thing. It can't be. It's in a vacuum. It's a concept thing. Like, if I said that story's about slavery, that alone doesn't make it good or bad. It's what you do with it that's important. So, I obviously went on quite a long screed about why S.H.I.E.L.D. Heroes' inclusion of it was a bag of shit for various reasons. Mm -hmm. In Vinland, we have the opposite, where its inclusion is purposeful, it's thoughtful, it's certainly not coming down as approving of it, but it also is not just simply about like the purely mechanic mechanistic acts of owning people's property, but also the, you know, more philosophical idea of being enslaved to a concept or a need or a want or a desire. But it mingles those two together really well as parallels. Indeed, that's mm -hmm. why that entire conversation between um Order and Thorfinn exists on the bow in the first place, because we can see just by looking at it, you know, oh, Thorfinn says he's not a slave, and here is an actual person who's owned his property. But for all that that is a difference between them, the two are functionally identical. Yep, exactly. So there you go. So yeah, this is a, if you want an example of where this is done well, as opposed to that turgid <laughs> piece of shit, here it is. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we, we're back again to this thing we've been talking about in the that we were talking about in the early episodes that kind of finding kind of real freedom uh, beyond, you know, I can choose where I want to eat. I can choose. I can go to Applebee's or White Castle, wherever I want. <laughs> yeah. Like finding kind of the inner existential freedom from, you know, uh, either from everything that kind of binds you or the freedom to be able to kind of pick the thing that you want to be uh, your master, you know, the thing that binds you. Um, this is where I have thought that the story was kind of leading up to that. Will, will they be able to, will someone be able to like rise above the kind of machine of war and suffering 
and revenge and hate to mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. it's a good episode. Good stuff. All right. Um, like one other thing I want to note about the scene between, uh, or rather, even not before Horder arrives, but I know this is going to sound like a strange tangent here, but trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Let's talk about Batman briefly. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Batman. No, 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 no. For Finn. Sorry. <laughs> Tell your friends I'm about gonna... me. <laughs> I'm for Finn. <laughs> sorry, That's... sorry, sorry. All right, so I'm not going to... Like, when I say Batman, I'm actually referring specifically to a film with Batman in it, of course. Arguably the best Batman film ever made. Avengers Batman, Endgame. The... No, 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 no. <laughs> Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Why am I bringing this up specifically? I mean, by the way, uh, expect that film to be covered by me solo at some point in the future, because it is a work of art. And there's so much that needs to be talked about. I'm going to mention one specific scene from that episode that I think is key, actually if you relate it to Vinland Saga and understanding just what's happened to Thorfinn. So there's a scene in that particular film where Bruce Wayne, as an adult, goes up to his parents' grave. Uh, and it's the darkest storm night as the Batman animated series as best it was once to be. Flash of lightning strikes across the scene and the actual headstone of the grave is illuminated. And what's really interesting about that is it just says Wayne on it. It doesn't say, oh, I mean, there's the flash of light in Doc's case, like now he's in a Batman animated series episode. That's right. Um, but the reason that's really fascinating and really telling is that it doesn't say like Thomas and Martha Wayne or whatever the fuck their names were it just says we because I would argue at least as presented in that series it wasn't two people that died that day it was three right and Bruce is certainly there but he's not like you know the regular normal human being he would have been otherwise he's incredibly damaged, and indeed that film goes to great lengths to explain and show that and how he is denied normal life. But I'll save the rest of that for a podcast I'll be doing in the future, just look forward to that. So why is this in any way relevant to Vinland Saga, you might ask? Well, bear in mind that during that particular scene when Thorfinn has that, like, vision of his father, um, he reverts back to being a young child. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that that is probably who he is still mentally at that particular point. He's never gotten beyond that stage. Agreed. Physically, he is older. He, you know, is hit past because he's beaten a deeper voice. You know, he can murder the fuck out of people, all that. But he is still very much the child he once was. That's when the day, like Bruce, what happened with Bruce, he died too when his dad died. Mm-hmm. He stops, like, his clock, his world clock, his life stopped dead then, shattered frozen in time now ultimately like you know whatever interpretation of batman you want to rely on like it's like generally speaking he never gets out of that rut he saves batman forever when reality as the mask of the phantasm film almost has him do he almost breaks free he almost becomes a regular human being again and i find this really interesting that i wonder if at some point we'll see Thorfinn truly like become a regular person again not to the extent that, you know, he can simply pick up as if though nothing had ever happened. I mean, the events of his life thus far have definitely scarred him. Now, I'm not talking about physically here. But I think that scene is very telling and illuminating just what has happened to him, that he's frozen that point in time emotionally and mentally. Well, maybe not mentally necessarily, but certainly, like, you know, in his growth as a person. He's been denied the ability to become a regular, normal person like everyone else we've seen in these particular episodes. We just go about the normal day-to-day lives. And I think that's the idea that Vinland Saga is going to try and, again, explore. Like, can he break free of that to live a regular life? 
mm-hmm. in the Battle of the Phantasm, that escape avenue was the character of Andrea Beaumont, um, Bruce's romantic interest at the time, and even fiancé at one point. That's how close, in a very literal sense, he got to breaking through. But unfortunately, he was already married just to a concept rather than a person. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I found that very reminiscent of that and also extremely powerful as well for the reasons that you've stated. Um, and also, of course, the fact that he is just merging his father's words here. Like, there's nothing new to be gained here from mm-hmm. what's been... We're not really told anything new from Forza's end here. But, well, he's got his words slipped by now, and indeed one may wonder that the memory... In fact, we know for a fact that that's the case, because there's brief intermission flashback of, like, Forza and then the, the hut, and then also Leaf, briefly, if I remember correctly. So that rem- memory of him is also then what leads him to remember the concepts of Vinland, which he relates to all. So yeah, I thought that was a really powerful moment and really gave us a good understanding. Without being like heavy exposition, like, well, Bjorn's there, like, you know, going like, well, <laughs> uh, Thorfinn is still the small child he once was. He has not grown up since the time his father died, and who can blame him? It's quite difficult. His on, inner on, growth on. is stunted, though a yes. man he may be on the outside. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Um, also, no, I won't have the lamb breast. I would actually prefer a mushroom risotto, please. Oh, man. I And I, I feel like that's that makes me even more confident in my theory that Horda will be, you know, Andrea Beaumont. Like, she'll Ooh, be... I... I... Uh, mm, mm. I have another because, talking point that I need to make about her, but I'll come sign in a moment. Carry on. Okay. Well, she, um, like you say, like the world that she comes from is not the world of war. It's much more of an ordinary kind of uh, world concerned with different things for like the clothes she wears and her manner. You can kind of tell. And so she just has all these, we'll have, we'll have these different expectations. And I just feel like that the show will yeah i just think that my hunch is that it will go in that direction that she will help him as i said before kind of um soften and uh and break free and find kind of a new path or at least start to because he's gonna have to or he's just cruising towards like self-destruction really Mm. Are you, are you basically saying, uh, no, there's too many jokes, I'm going to restrain myself. Zip. Okay. You can think on, you can think on that for later. Um, so I have one more talking point. Unfortunately, this is the point where I must get nitpicky and complaining. I'm afraid I must get complaining again about this episode. Because it's not perfect, I'm afraid. I'm going to start... There are two things I want to complain about. And the first one I was talking about is visual fidelity. The duel. The duel itself looked fine. But the characters in the background are permanently frozen and it is the most distracting oh. fucking thing ever. You've got literally a character who's there like, it's like, woo! It's like the racing crowd in first-gen Xbox games. I've, I've seen... I've seen be- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen better background characters to usage in a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I mean, I like this is not like, you know, a cheap production by any means. But I, I was a bit surprised just to see like characters like just completely frozen in time during that. It really didn't do it for me. I mean, there's been some kind of wonky CG previously, but this is the 2D element. It was kind of a letdown, especially when we got like a good solid 10 seconds or so of like Bjorn Targ's ass, like, go pick him up. And the characters in the background are completely frozen stiff as if though they've just been hit by Zawardo. <laughs> so that, yeah, not great. Uh, but the other complaint I want to make, and this is more of a writing-based one. So we've talked a lot about Horda. I don't really have a good grasp on who she is right now. She feels very flat as a character. She feels 
I mean, you and I discussed, like, what was her name again? Kasai from mm-hmm. Given. Mm-hmm. And you said she's not Kasai. She isn't, but I at least had a sense of Kasai having a personality and wants and desires. Like, Horta is very, Horta is very flat. Mm-hmm. I can't get a grasp on who she is. Like, she doesn't seem bothered at all by the fact that she's now in this awful place she's in. And maybe you could argue, well, we don't know enough about her yet, but this is our introductory episode to her, and she's clearly already had, like, a role to play in talking with Thorfinn. I would prefer we had some idea of who she was. I like can't... It. Sorry, I go mean... ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, classic thing to use is the red letter media, you know, uh, older... Star Wars reviews like personality tests, which is, can you describe to me, Doc, without saying what she looks like, what she wore, or anything like that, uh, or what her role is, uh, can you describe her to me? So, not what she looks like, Mm -hmm. not what her job is, and not anything to do with her appearance. You need to talk strictly about her personality. Submissive, quiet, broken. Where'd she get broken from? I didn't get that. Well, I mean, she's, like, just kind of hanging out, getting beaten on, not putting up a fight, feels listless, staring, like, hey, woman, bring the mead. Mm. Woman, I said bring the mead, what? You know, oh, like, it just feels like mm. she's kind of floating through, and it feels like she's, uh, you know, and, and we've had her on screen for, like, a total of, like, five minutes, but... Um, it feels like she's either had her spirit broken or she's like kind of stuffing it deep, deep, deep down so that, you know, Gorm can't touch it. I don't know. This is I what I got from her. And, and I think the show is going to, I mean, like I said, she's been on screen for five minutes. Yeah. Like, but yeah. I think, yeah, I feel like the show has big plans for it. And knowing nothing, knowing nothing about what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, it feels like I, the the path of least resistance to get where we need to go with Thorfinn. I yeah, I hear you, um, and certainly your mileage did vary on like the way you interpret it. But for me, like I didn't have much to go from. Like the voice acting for her felt very flat. And Isn't that interesting say- though? Like, what if that's intentional? Like you wouldn't think, you wouldn't expect someone to feel that way. But like she. It's almost like she feels like she's above it all because she used to be a noble. And she's well, like, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I would agree with you if I had a time frame for how long she's been under, you know, Gorm's, like, you know... That's under, fair. Under his control. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, like... I just think that some of these details could have been established in this so we have a good sense of because clearly it's a very pivotal scene between her and Porth at the end. But mm-hmm. I, again, like, we made the joke about Kasai, like, I feel you could have replaced her with a dog. Like, bark, bark, like, and he's like, where do you want to go, boys? Do you want to go somewhere else to wide, faraway lands? And then he's like, oh, yeah, Finland. <laughs> oh, I don't agree. <laughs> That's hard. I, 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 I don't know, like, I wish that there was a stronger impression made of, you know, her at the start rather than just simply her being very flat. And you might say that is a strong impression, but we need more signifiers surrounding that then to help build on that because her herself is not giving us that much to work with. Yeah. I mean... I, I see where you're coming from, uh, but uh, uh, agree to disagree. I mean, I'm not saying like she's like this amazing, fully fleshed out character yet, but I felt like there was just enough for me to not only want to find out more, but feel like, you know, because she's kind of a mystery. She's 
pretty freaking mysterious in some ways, like why she behaves the way she does. But but also to feel like okay, she's gonna play a part. For sure. I mean, yep, we've still got more episodes to go, so we'll see how she progresses then. Uh, to answer your question, there, Felix, yeah, like I understand, like you know, that the studio is is being overworked. I mean, fair enough. It's not an easy thing. It's very easy for me as someone who can't draw shit, basically, to criticize this stuff and go, it looks terrible and all that. But I suppose the counter argument I would make is if you can't conceit, like convincingly do that, don't have a crowd be there at all. Just have Gorm and Bjorn and that kid. Like, Maybe they'll, they'll fix the ed- it uh, for the Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just fix it in post. <laughs> Oh, God, they'll turn into, you know, uh, the civilians from Carmageddon. What? They'll have that level of fidelity. (laughs) Carmageddon. God. Mm. Uh, The only other talking point I had is that I just wanted to, like, highlight again how freaking interesting I find that, like, Bjorn and Askeladd during the duel act like Thorfinn's proud parents. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, like, it's my so boy cool. grows up so quickly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, have you gotten taller? You used to be this high. And like, you know, Bjorn is all like, you know, ha, he's good. Yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> like, you could hear him in his head saying, that's my boy. Like, and, and wanting him to, like, bummed out when Thorfinn gets manipulated, like... Ah, damn it. He fell for the trick again. <laughs> you know, he, uh, Askeladd made fun of his dad, and he's going to, ah, he's going to lose. Um, I thought, like, wow, that is so interesting, how they feel. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, because it's, it's weird. It's really messy and complicated. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, like, are we supposed to get behind this? Like, if I don't know. I mean, clearly Thorfinn hates them, but clearly they've been watching him kind of grow up and have. I don't know. Certainly Bjorn, it almost felt like he had kind of a fondness for the kid, despite the fact that Askeladd is clearly just using him, and despite the fact that Bjorn himself actually took him hostage and would have used him. Yeah. Instead. But well, yeah. it's been several years, so you can say how things change. But yeah. Uh... We'll see. Although, I'm actually curious now as to why Thorfinn doesn't feel the need to kill Bjorn as well. Because he, he's got, like, you know, in the in the pie chart of who's to blame for Thor's death, like, yep. Bjorn's, like, got a severest chunk of mushroom pie there that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> right. Just say, I'm just saying. Yep. Um, yep. Let's use right. the top of this toadstool to make a pie chart. <laughs> um, do you have any more talking points, Because we do have a patron question. No, let's get to our question. Alright, so... This one comes from Blikaji, and it goes thusly, and this is a great question, I love it. Uh, would Bjorn win a fight against a bear? A bear? Bleh, let's start that again. <laughs> Whoops. Well, that's getting clips out of context. Not that it would have helped in context, mind you. Would Bjorn win a fight against a bear, which is also Bjorn, like that's what Bjorn stands for, and if so, what would he then do with the corpse? Now, I actually have two answers for this, because... I have the answer to your question, but I also have my headcanon answer of what I reckon Bjorn would do or what I'd love to see him do. So the headcanon answer I'm going to give is that he would win, um, yeah. but all he would do is he would use it like the, the corpse. He wouldn't do anything with the corpse. Like he wouldn't eat the meat from it, for example. 
he would probably like taste test and like, this isn't a mushroom. What the fuck? I can't eat this. But he would I reckon he would probably use it um as like a giant tea cozy for a giant mushroom. <laughs> That's why I reckon he would do it. Like he after skinning the pelt from it. But I did say I had a second answer, which is this right. And I this came into my head and I thought this is the most metal fucking thing ever. Imagine if he managed to tame the bear and then rode it into battle. Oh my god. Would that, you, would that not be you, the most incredible? Can you <laughs> ride was, a bear? Is it possible? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I can just totally see him ride a bear in bat into battle after eating, like, you know, <laughs> a mushroom. I would... Oh my god. What if they, like, you know... Put armor on it. So <laughs> he trained it. His, yeah, it'd be some of his dark material <laughs> shit then. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Bjorn, Bjorn, Bjorn right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like and and yeah, ro either rode him that or had him stand beside Bjorn in battle. Mm -hmm. uh, the only answer I had to this question was that he would turn it into comp. He would win and just turn it into compost for a mushroom garden. Yeah, also fair point. He wouldn't. He would definitely not eat a single shred of it. No. Like, no. If, if Bjorn was, like, living in modern day, I reckon that, you know, like, what he'd do is he'd have a cereal bowl, but it would just be full of mushrooms and milk. Oh, 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 that's disgusting. That's awful. No one on Earth would eat that. That's terrible. Bjorn's a mushroom guy, like... He would never, not even he would mix it with milk and spoon it. That is disgusting. Okay, he doesn't I mean, want to ruin the mushrooms with milk. <laughs> I suppose those two things do go into like cream of mushroom soup but still there's so many other steps involved. oh i can totally see i can totally see like everyone drinking cans of beer and he's just there like crushing the can of mushroom soup and drinking that <laughs> instead i think that's my head yeah. cat at this point is bjorn eats nothing else in fact we don't even see him at the feast <laughs> later on yeah. uh so we, we could very well like oh uh, no we do i think yeah i don't think we see him i think he anything. tells the kid that what's his face is on the boat yeah or oh, by the way, just to follow up again from what I said earlier, not only was the jewel like, you know, um, very stiff with the background characters, but when Horder is like, you know, getting whipped by Gorm, not one of the characters around them move at all. And I'd be fine with that, like, being like, them being indifferent if they at least were just still being animators doing like their regular eating and drinking. But they just kind of freeze in time and space. Oh, it's more of the, yeah, more of the uh, budgetary or time constraint. Thing. Yeah, which is um, is think. unfortunate, um, but honestly, that kind of stuff is minor. It doesn't. I mean, the duel itself is well animated. Don't get me wrong, and their their incidental background noise. I mean, it would be more of a problem if you know, like, Gone was like only two frames, like do and then do repeated over and over for the whipping. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, that's my answer to your question, Ellen Kaji. I. Well, I legitimate answer is, you know, the, as you say, he would use it in some way to help cultivate mushrooms. My answer that I'd wish would be a thing, and again, if you happen to have any fan artists listening to this who want to spend some time doing it, just please draw Bjorn riding a bear. Yukinon, get on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's not watching Vinland, unfortunately, so uh, he won't be, he won't catch that. Sad face. Rip. 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 Anyway, but yeah, uh, thank you very much for providing that question, Linkaji. Mm -hmm. uh, if anyone who is catching this live or on VOD is interested in asking us questions about Vinland Saga, uh, that is one of the perks of becoming a patron for Warrior Desho, so please feel free to check that out. Get yourself a Discord access, you know, for as little as $2 a month, you can then ask us questions for the stream. 
And there's plenty of other cool benefits as well to do, so definitely check that out. Yes, indeed. Um, and I guess now is time for us to rate the episode and check in on the new Twitter polls. Would you like yeah, to... We should. Should we check in on Twitter first, or should we rate the episode first? Uh, Twitter could happen, because this will only be brief, but... Um... So the first one I asked uh, was, does Vinland Saga's message of war being a cruel, consuming force used for expansionist reasons and its opposition thereof fall a bit flat due to its base in real-world history and the events that follow in actual history? Uh, we've only had two folks thus far, and they've both been no, so I guess I'm just, you know, being old man yells at cloud, I suppose. But I'm okay with that. I'm entirely all right with that. And then, interestingly... Uh, had Askeladd not taunted him, would Thorfinn have won the duel against Askeladd and killed him? We've only had two votes on that so far as well, but both of them are no. He would have still lost. Curious. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Mm. Fair Very enough. Intriguing. Then. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if you haven't already checked out those polls, feel free to do so on our Twitter at WarriorDeshow and offer your thoughts on, on that. Um, we'll be running until next week when we'll be covering Vinland episode nine. Yes, indeed. Um, so ratings wise, um, I would rate this episode much higher than last time. The, uh, visual sort of snafus that you mentioned, like, I, I didn't even notice, like, I'm that Mark. I am the Mark that they are <laughs> like, yeah, if we like jingle the keys in the middle of the screen, he won't look all around where everything's flat. Uh, that was me. Um, so... I didn't even notice them, and I'm not typically bothered by those things. Although, I mean, who knows when I rewatch. But the story content and everything in this episode was good enough. Uh, the themes were strong enough that I'm going to give this episode uh, 4.75 stars out of 5. Stars, not right. stars. We got to do something other than stars because it's fucking... Uh, 4.75... Um, uh what is a good uh object that we can use 4.75 uh ghosts of your father out of five yeah which i feel bad for the last ghost he's only three quarters full that's unfortunate is it is that the head, head on headless legs? ghost it's the headless ghost it must be god damn it doc god damn it all right for me like while I did complain earlier about the potential issue of the macro-level uh, story and examination of Vinland Saga falling a bit flat or not being, you know, as effective as it could be given its real-world historical anchoring, that doesn't mean it wasn't effective in the context of the episode itself, and it wasn't executed effectively. It certainly was. I think it's just more of a wider issue thing that as a result of it. So don't get me wrong on that point. So that was good. The micro-level stuff of Thorfinn um, and the introduction of her, like, as much as I felt she came in a bit flat, I, again, also felt that was handled really well. A lot, certainly, as we've discussed, to, you know, divine and interpret from the events of the episode. And I'm really curious to see what happens next. Uh, the animation quibbles were only really minor. They were just background stuff, really. Let's be honest. It's not worth getting too worked up about. So, for me, I will give this episode uh, 4.25 instances of Viking food porn because by god that plate of sausages made me hungry oh, it was really good uh, mm -hmm. i'm glad i watched this episode before and not after lunch um, well, are you are you gonna get a giant plate of sausages now as well cartoon sausages no less 
Yes, that's my dinner. Carving sausages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, well, uh, I think I think that's going to wrap up uh, V8. Uh, the Ocho. Yeah, V8 The Ocho here. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Mm. Uh, Thank you. F- Felix and Blinkaji and any others that were silent uh, for hanging out with us on Twitch. Uh, know it's going to take some getting used to. Uh, just to find us in this spot. So thanks for coming on board. Um, and if you're watching on VOD later on, thank you for doing that. Uh, be on YouTube, Twitch, wherever. Uh, podcast, uh, we appreciate it. All of our lovely patrons, mwah, we love you. Uh, thank you Absolutely. for supporting us. And for uh, we hope the extra content that we are giving you on patreon.com slash show is to your liking. We will continue Hell to yes. do that for you. Uh, please follow us on Twitter to be notified of such things as we're only streaming on Twitch right now, or there's a new piece of content up from Shadon, et cetera, et cetera, at Waterway Show. Yeah, um, I'll be out soon. Uh, in case you're not aware, folks, I am currently covering Akikin as part of a, or Akikan. I don't care how it's pronounced, fuck that show and fuck everyone involved in its creation, even the people I like from it. Um, but I am currently writing up a uh, audio essay on that, which will be out this week, I believe, actually. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to get on that early, because it will be patron-only for quite a fair bit, then, well, you know where to go. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. So. I am very... I get very angry in that. Well worth the $3, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, if, uh, if you'd like to have us on the go in your MP3 device, uh, SoundCloud or Apple Podcast, Google Play... Uh, Stitcher. We're on all those places. You can look up Watery Death Show, find us, subscribe, leave a kind review on the old Apple Podcast. Look, I know not a lot of people use Apple Podcasts these days. The the podcast player space has diversified much more. But let me tell you, leaving us reviews on Apple Pods slash iTunes still helps us out a lot. Absolutely. It totally enhances our discoverability and all that sort of thing. So uh, even if you can't, you know, feel like you can uh, or want to support us financially, we totally understand. That's a nice way to support us for free if you feel so inclined. All right. Gobbledygook out of doodly-doo out of the way. Now <laughs> only remains for us to say our thanks once again and embrace each other, everyone to the ends of the universe. Good night.